Well, good morning, nine o'clock, Good Shepherd. And Happy New Year. I am Talbot Davis, and I'm the pastor here. I know a lot of you have gathered live, and others of you are live streaming. And I know, because it always happens, some of you who are live streaming are doing so, so that you can figure out if it's worth coming live. We believe that it is, and we hope to see you here at our uh, Charlotte campus quite, quite soon. We are starting this new message series all about how Jesus helps us get unstuck how it's never too late to begin again and then to begin again, how so many times in so many ways we need a reset and a restart. Today's message is called Rethink, kind of the foundation of everything else that happens in the series. And if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate the New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting at verse 3. And uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, that is okay. The words are going to be up on the screen when they're supposed to be up on the screen. And, and uh, uh, for those of you who do have your Bible with you, maybe it looks like this. It looks like a book, or maybe it's loaded on your phone. That's okay. It's not like having it in, in a book form is more religious than a phone form because it was all originally on scroll form to begin with. And uh, however you have it, couple of things you may not know about it. One of those things, the vital important thing, is though I just described this as a book, this is not a book. It's a library. It's a collection of a lot of books. And here's the really significant thing, written by a lot of authors over a long span of time in many, many different writing styles. And when we're in 2 Corinthians, that means we're in the correspondence section, the letter writing section of the New Testament. Paul, pastor, missionary, author, he writes a letter to the church in the Greek city of Corinth. The people who lived there were called, hello, Corinthians. And so that's where that some of you may never have heard that kind of stuff before. For others of you, it's old hat. Wherever you are on that continuum, really glad you're tuning in, listening in. The other thing, that's just a fact a lot of people had never really come to grips with before. But the other thing that we believe in leadership here, and, it, and it's something you may still be wrestling with, or maybe something that you love that we say, or, or you're like, I'm not sure where I am with that. We just, clarity is kindness. And so in leadership here, we believe there's no other library like this that God breathed his life into its words. He put his two, truth onto its pages. We believe that the Bible is inspired and eternal and true. And out of that conviction... We have a custom. Some of you are overachievers already. And that custom is that when we talk about the Bible, we lift it up. And, and again, if you're new, this is like, whoa, this is a little bit unusual. And we're like, yes, but we don't mind. We know it's unusual. But we've discovered that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community that we're a collection of people who don't have life figured out very well. And we know that, most of us, from hard experience. We thought we had life figured out, and it didn't go very well. But we know that the Lord does, and so we're glad to surrender to his authority. Amen? And so before, thank you for that. So before we uh, say anything else, let's pray. Lord, thank you for that, that you're a good God, and, and thank you for the privilege, the opportunity that you give me to talk about your word. And I acknowledge I am utterly powerless without you, but because of you, I'm never helpless. 
So fill me from the bottom of my feet to the top of my head with the goodness, truth, beauty of the Holy Spirit and do that for everyone within the sound of my voice. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So in just a few moments, I'm gonna tell you one thing that's gonna move into kind of two things before it settles at the best thing. Isn't that great? You're, you're gonna get a thing and it's gonna become part of another thing before it settles down into the super best thing. That's what you have to look forward to the, the rest of this morning. But before we get there, I need to tell you something about you. You, 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 you wanna know something about you? You think a lot. You have a lot of thoughts every day. You may not be a deep thinker, but you are a frequent thinker. Like, did you know how many thoughts in a given day the average person has? And you can go ahead and call out from your seat your, your guesstimate. How many thoughts in a given day do you think the average person has? 300,000 what? 53 million? Whoa, okay. Others? Just call it out. 10.5 thousand. It's awesome. Yes. Well, the answer, I love it, ranging from 10.5 to 300 million, I think is what we heard. Uh, the, the answer is 60,000. You and me and all of us in a typical day, we think 60,000 thoughts. It's amazing. See, see, you just had one. You're like, some of you are like, whoa, that is a big number, that 60,000. And, and others of you are like, oh, did, did she notice me down there? She, she, she checking me out? And, and others, oh, is there going to be a line at the restaurant? And then others of you are like, man, that Chick-fil-A is going to taste so good after church. And immediately that gets followed with idiot. So you had two. <laughs> it took you a minute, but you got there. And two thoughts for one. And yeah, you and me and all of us, we have about 60,000 thoughts a day. And so for just a few moments today, I want to give some thoughts to your thoughts. Because not only are you a frequent thinker, the thoughts that you think and the thinking that you believe has tremendous power in your life. In fact, I, I could even say that, that your thoughts are actually directional, that your life always moves in the direction of your current dominant thought, as I heard somebody say one time. And, 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 and in, in fact, it, 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 along with Proverbs chapter 23 and verse seven from the wisdom section of the Old Testament, as a man thinketh, I love the King James language sometimes, as a man thinketh, thinketh, so he iseth. As, as you think, so you go. And, and, and so 60,000 thoughts that don't just have power, they have direction. And, and yet here's something that you may not know about your thinking life. And it's this, that the enemy, Satan, 
whom we believe is real, has from the very beginning of your thinking life done his very best to twist and pervert and alter your thinking so that you believe the most God-awful lies. And you think that you are really smart and really enlightened and really sophisticated while you're actually believing his twists and perversion. Yeah, you may not believe in, in, in Satan yet. We, we do in leadership here. I think there's abundant evidence for, for his activity on planet earth, but, but he has that masterful ability to get you to believe your own thinking and, and so that when you believe that own thinking that you have, it, it, you, you think you're being super smart, you think you're being super sophisticated, and actually that thinking takes you on the path to your own self-destruction. On your merry little way, you're thinking you're, you're, you're doing everything right. And the good news is that if you have said yes to Jesus, because your, your mind, it, before you say yes to Jesus, your mind is Satan's domain. And the good news is, if you have said yes to him, by the way, if you've given Jesus your life, if you become a Christian today, January 7th, my 45th birthday, 40, I was, you're like, what? No way. <laughs> no, when I was 17 years old on January 7th, 1979, I said yes to Jesus. I became a Christian on that very day. And, and... And when that happens, good shepherd, when you say yes to Jesus, Satan has been relieved of his command. But the fact remains, he's a sore loser. And he's a, he, he employs guerrilla tactics to get you to believe that, that down is up, that right is wrong, that men are women. He gets you to believe the most God-awful lies, even with his guerrilla warfare. And, and if you haven't said yes to Jesus, then, then the evil one, an evil force, a personality of an evil force, really does control the way that you think. And the clearest indication that that's what he's doing is that you think that what I just said is absolutely ridiculous. You see how deceptive the enemy is, that, that his cleverest tactic is to get you to believe that he's not around. But he is. Whether you are a believer or not a believer, he does use his tactics and his strategy to pollute your mind so that you will think this series of thoughts that seem sophisticated and seem so smart, and actually they are his tools to get you to make those decisions based on how you think that get you stuck, that lead to your self-destruction, and all the time you think, well, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I'm just, I'm just doing what makes sense. I'm just doing what sounds good. And some of you right now are like, man, I was just thinking about how good food is going to taste after at the restaurant, after church. And now you're telling me that my mind is a cosmic battleground? Yeah, I am. And I tell you that your mind is a cosmic battleground, not because it's my opinion, because my thinking that while it's been redeemed, Satan has been relieved of his command, I still have to be aware of all his guerrilla tactics. Not because it's my opinion, but because 
That's Paul's word to the church in the Greek city of Corinth. Now see, as as Paul writes his second letter to the Corinthians, and here's a, a free fact, the reason there is a second Corinthians is because first Corinthians didn't work. They didn't listen to what he had to say. So Paul has to double down in his second letter to the same church. And he's explaining to them that their minds are battlegrounds. And the interesting thing is the Corinthian church, they believed all kinds of ridiculous teaching that led to their spiritual arrogance. In fact, you could say that that they were warped and they were twisted as a people, and it all started in their noggins. Look where Paul starts, verses three and four. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war. He's talking about the war in your mind, as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So what what he's saying, there's a war going on in your mind and this battle that we fight with the war that's going on in your mind, we don't don't fight with heavy artillery, not with the weapons of the world. There's there's more going on than than that. And because the Corinthians, they were so arrogant, they were so self-centered, they were headed towards their own self-deception, destruction. They thought they were all that. In fact, (laughs) they were just like us, weren't they? They had arrogance and conceit, believing all kinds of lies and getting all puffed up in the middle of all the falsehoods that they had bought, and the result was lethal. And we see that today. We see that we're not that different from these Corinthians. You you see it in the way that you think about other people. You given any thought to how you think about other people? Like, whoo, that that guy down the aisle from me, he's or everyone from Fort Mill is so. (laughs) Or anybody who stays in Charlotte is just way too. Or all you Southerners? Or you Northerners coming down here? They're all the if only they would try harder, that group of people, everybody who goes to that church is so. We have these thoughts reflexively, instinctively, and we believe those things we think about other people, and we never give any consideration to the thought that maybe those thoughts have an origin from below, an origin that makes us believe what's actually a lie and that we ought to be very careful before we believe all the stuff that we done thought. And if it's dangerous about how we think about other people, woo! what about how we think about ourselves? <sighs> if only she loved me, I would. Everyone's against me. Why are they talking about me that way? Maybe the saddest, if, if, if I don't have one more drink, if I don't smoke one more joint, if I don't place one more bet, if I don't look at just a little more porn, 
I'll never get through the day. We even do this when it comes to matters of faith. I'm a good person, better than most. And based on that, I'm, I'm good with God. Or even I think about the adolescent boy starving himself to death with anorexia. And he looks in the mirror and he sees in the mirror, ooh, fat. Or that friend that I had in college and we were talking about eternity and, and his place in it and he, his thinking was so clouded and so obscure that he resorts to an ACDC lyric and he says, maybe hell's not such a bad place to be. It's our minds. It's how we think about ourselves and what we think makes sense and how we believe our own thinking. And Good Shepherd, you believed so much of your own thinking. That's why you're stuck. That's why you drink. That's why you're angry all the time. That's why you got a string of broken relationships behind you. That's why you almost couldn't get out of bed this morning because of this cloud of despair that hovers over you. Because we have these thoughts, we think our thoughts make sense, and we never pause to consider that our thoughts might come from below and that the enemy who influences our thoughts does so that so that we will self-destruct. And so you realize where the intersection of just plain common sense and 2 Corinthians chapter 10 lands us. Remember I told you, I'm gonna tell you one thing. It's gonna to lead to two things before it settles at the best thing. It's time for the one thing. It's so simple. But when you understand where Paul was coming from and what he's teaching the church and what it means to you and what it means to me, don't believe everything you think. Wait, all that for that? Yes. All that for that. Don't believe everything you think. You think about 60,000 thoughts a day, and I figure the most you should believe is about 30,000 of them because the other half are quite literally lies from the pits of hell. And I don't want you to believe all the stuff that you think. I want you to be freed from the self-deception that leads you to self-destruction. Don't believe everything you think. But there's more. That's not where it stops. Look where Paul goes in verse five. I love verse five. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. See, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, that's a thought that you think that actually underneath it all, it's your way of thinking to yourself that you know what's best for you better than God does. And you don't. Where does Paul go next? And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And when he says, take captive every thought, that's Paul's way of telling the Corinthian church that they can't replace something with nothing, 
That just because you're not supposed to believe everything you think, does that mean, well, is, is the cure to that? Don't think 60,000 thoughts a day anymore. Think 10? No. The, the antidote that Paul is driving at is to soak your mind, to saturate your brain with the glorious truths of the gospel. That that's what Paul wants us to do. That's how we reorient our mind. That's how we get unstuck. Because here's what I want you to know, good shepherd. Don't believe everything you think. Think everything you believe. Like, huh? Yeah. Don't believe all that junk <laughs> that you think. Think through, savor on, let your mind become soaked in everything you believe. The antidote to self-destruction is savior adoration. And as long as you allow yourselves, as long as you reorient the way that your mind works, as, as whatever you do for a living, however you occupy your time, what a difference it would make if you would devote moments, minutes, more than minutes every day to letting your mind savor the deep, glorious truths of the gospel. Truths like I am but. Truths like the resurrected king is resurrecting me. Truths like the most important thing that ever happened in my life did not happen in my life. Did you know that? The most important thing that ever happened in your life happened in Jesus's life. And your accomplishments don't define you and your achievements don't decide who you are. His instruction and his incarnation and his crucifixion and his resurrection and his ascension. And when he come, comes back, his completion, that's what defines you. That's who defines you. Thoughts like God is doing for me what I could never do for myself. Thoughts like Jesus is Lord and there is no other Thoughts like, the best thing about my life is that I am dependent upon the Lord Jesus for everything. You see how counterintuitive that thought is in a, in a world where we think we got to make it on our own and do things on our own. When you can wake up every morning and savor the fact I am dependent on Jesus for everything that happens today. Man, that reorients and resets and corrects how you think. Don't believe everything you think. Most of it is lies. Think everything you believe because all of that is truth. I, I want you to think gospel so that you can live gospel, so that you can share gospel. And I just, again, whatever you do for a living, however you pass your time, whenever whenever you know what you know what it is for me what what my the the sick thinking that i'm tempted to believe is why are they overlooking me whenever an honor goes to someone else or attention goes to someone else and, and i'm like why why aren't they why why did they think about me and choose to ignore me and you know what god has helped me to see they weren't thinking about me to begin with <laughs> 
you're not that big a deal, Talbot. How liberating that is. I'm not the victim. In Jesus, I'm a victor. And I want you to think that way so that you can live that way, so that you can share that way. It was so interesting. Just a few weeks ago, someone around this place one evening, I mean, I've been the pastor here a long time and he'd been here a long time. And he, and he just says to me quietly one evening, you know, you, you seem like you like your job better than you, you, you have more joy in ministry than you used to when I first met you. And I'm like, yes. And now I know why, because I have sort of learned the secret of thinking through everything I believe, of taking great delight every day, starting my day in the world and not in the world, in the word and not in the world, taking time every day to think about the joys and the delights of the gospel, not just believing in it, delighting in it. Do you know what a different that is? delighting in those truths. And I began to see through all the lies that I had believed and the deceptions that I had fallen for and the victim that I had become. I'm not a victim. I'm a victim because of Jesus. I'm a victor. That's why that guy saw that difference in me because I'd stopped believing everything I think. And I'd started thinking everything I believe. We, we have this tool here at this church that helps you do this. It's, it's called Come Alive Daily. We're gonna put the link up on the screen. There are already over 2,300 people who come alive every single morning. And, and by the first thing they do in the morning is engaging with scripture instead of encountering the world they reprogram the way their minds work, mind works for the rest of the day. And if, if you, you can take your phone out now, I'll let you, I'll, I'll let you do that. If, if you sign up for this now, you go to that email page, gscharlotte.org email, go down to Come Alive Daily. You sign up and tomorrow at 4 a.m., you don't have to get up at 4 a.m. To, to read it, it'll be there. But tomorrow at, at, at 4 a.m., we are in the book of 1 Corinthians. Why is there a second Corinthians? First Corinthians didn't work. And why is there a first Corinthians? Whoa, because a guy is having an affair with his stepmother. It's in the Bible. I told you it was a messed up church full of messed up people. And through it all, God brings the most glorious truths. And if you sign up for Come Alive Daily tomorrow at 4 a.m., we'll, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and you will begin not believing all the lies you think, but thinking all the truth you believe. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you that you're a good God. Thank you that you are starting an absolute revival of obedience, of people directing their thoughts your way. Let it start in this body and in this community, in our very brains. Cleanse our palates, our mental palates, so that we can delight in everything we believe. In the strong, in the saving name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said,